Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So I want to share um, real quickly from 2 Timothy um, chapter 1. Timothy is um, a protege of um, the Apostle Paul and he's writing to him and he's encouraging him in his ministry. He's a very high caliber leader and um, he's a very high caliber leader and Paul loves him. This is his begotten son of the faith as you were. So 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, it's going to go up on the screens in the message but I'll quickly read it in the um, New King James because that's what I've got here and that's what Jesus reads. <laughs> so 2 Timothy chapter so if you're your New Testament, it's like Acts, Romans, on and on. It goes to the Corinthians, it's all the Ians together. And then it's Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Philippians, Colossians, and it goes on then to Thessalonians. And then now we're in the T's, which is Timothy. The Bible tries to make it easy. So here we are, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Are we good this morning? Yeah. Alive and well. Awesome. And it says here, um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says um, in verse 14, it says, sorry, 13, hold fast this pattern of sound words which you've heard from me. This is Paul encouraging his um, son in the faith. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in this faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And I love how the message version says it. The message version says, guard this thing that has been entrusted to you. It's gone on the screen now, so all of that here says, guard this precious thing placed in your custody by the Holy Spirit. I love that word guard. Everyone say guard. Guard, because I've come to the realization that in life there's... There's things that we have, we get, there's like, our life is quite transient. There are seasons where we have much, there's seasons where we, we um, hear much and do much. And, but then there's, a, there's an element of a life where we have to guard. So there's things that God gives us we have to guard. So and with that, let's pray and we'll get into this morning. Father God, we prepare our hearts, we prepare our minds to hear what you have for us this morning, Lord. Speak to us so eloquently, so accurately to, to highlight those areas of our lives where we need to guard, we need to protect those precious things, the precious truths of who you are, God. Let them resonate in us this morning afresh, God, so that when we leave this place, we will resonate with who you are and shine your glory for all to see and in Jesus name and everyone said amen. amen amen well the title of my message this morning is called guard your Galilee guard your Galilee and it's a journey I've been taking and it's it's how a lot of things happened around the Sea of Galilee some of us might see as a little Sea of Tiberias Lake of Gennesaret all different places but but Jesus did a lot of powerful things around this place and and it really piqued my interest and and it reflected how a lot of my prayers have been sort of directed. There's, around Galilee, there's, there's, there's moments of supernatural provision. There's moments of miraculous works, and there's moments where he has triumph over circumstances. And, and I found, and just, just looking at that and how I approach that in my life, I found that if I don't guard what God has done, if I don't guard what he's entrusted to me, then I can't grow in where he's calling me to. So there's an element where we need to guard and then so that it can grow. 
Um, I've discovered this as a, as a new dad where, where um, we, we, put, um, we put our baby in different, in different areas and, and stuff like this. But it's all, it's all about protecting the baby. We enjoy the baby, but we can't enjoy her unless we protect her, unless we guard her, so then she can grow. And that's like that in our lives. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to walk through um, three different areas where Jesus showed his, himself strong, where, where Jesus broke through on the behalf of his disciples and the people around him um, this morning. So I'm going to go to um, Mark chapter 4. First place is Mark chapter 4. Now this is where Jesus, he calms a storm. He calms a storm. And, um, and it's a... Uh, this is just this is one of the things. The first time he actually did something like this before he was teaching. Now he steps into um, demonstration of his power. So it's Mark chapter four, and I'm going to take it from verse thirty-five. Um, was it Mark four or Mark six? What did I, what did I give you, Neil? Yeah, Mark four thirty-five. Yeah, here's so. So while he was wait, Mark chapter four. Did I write that right? Yeah. Oh, am I in the wrong place? Anyway, I'll read it from the, I'll read it from the screen. Um, so, on the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over from the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along the boat as he was. And so, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat and it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 40, but then he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and they said to one another, Who can this be that the wind and sea obey him? Jesus showed himself strong over circumstance. Um, This here is... A journal. There are many like it, but this one is mine. It's full metal jacket reference. If anyone didn't get it, it's all right. We'll move on. Um, so this is something I just recently started doing, and uh, this is the second year I've done this, and um, and I found it's a real benefit to me. So you'll find me in in um, moments like this, or just in my my journal every day. I would I would like to write down what God has spoken to me, things that God's done for me, and, and maybe what even people have prophesied over me and stuff. And, and I find this quite important. So this year, um, this is a plain one I got from Paper Chase for like £4. It's, it's really cheap to get into. Um, so, but I, I, I wanted something special. I wanted something to remind me, just something, you know, something visual, because I didn't want to just be words. I wanted it to be something to demonstrate um, kind of what I'm believing um, for as well. So I had um, my brother-in-law, Joe, draw an anchor. If you can't see it at the back or if you're listening to this, this is an anchor that my um, very talented brother-in-law drew for me um, as well. And So what, what this is, is these are, these are keys. These are things that God has given to me. Times where I feel that maybe I haven't heard from God in a while or you know, God doesn't move in that way. God, what's God done for me lately? I would just open this up and, and I would see like the, the pages that he's spoken to me um, and some of the, the ideas for messages and things like that as well. He's spoken so much to me that, I mean, I can, I can write things down on, on a device or on a tablet or whatever, but yeah. paper never forgets. Yeah. When I, when I write this down, I, I find that I can live a 10-10 life because 
it's already written. And I found that in my writing and in my dedicating this to a permanent space, I find that there's a lot more victory I can just go back to in my own life. I mean, even Jesus defeated the devil and his temptations and his ability to distract him by saying it is written. Yeah. And, and there's, powerful, there's power in saying that something is written down. When I have something written in my heart, it can't be undone by the enemy. Yeah, it can't be done, undone by the enemy. So here Jesus, he's, he's on this boat and he's asleep. He's asleep on a pillow and then the disciples come to him. And they say to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And, and it's easy to look at that and saying, well, we can look at it in hindsight. And well, you know, teacher, I mean, come on, he's the son of God. Like, we know that because we're not in those times. But how many times in my life have I limited Jesus by what I call him? How many times he's, he's, he's referred to as teacher. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? For, for starters, yes, he teaches. But the fact that he would teach you and say, come on, we're going to the other side, means that this is not a place he's going to sink you. This is just a place where you're going through. And it's like when we, dis, when we decide this is what Jesus is by what we call him, then I find in my own life that I can limit what Jesus can do through me. Do you not care that we are perishing? And I found, I don't know about you, but sometimes where, uh, where we, we go through things like this, you know, things pop up to the surface we wouldn't ordinarily do. Or, or we think, well, this is, I, went, I, I was made angry and then this happened. And so we, we live our lives like that. But, but really, what circumstances and storms like this, what they do is they reveal what's actually inside us. And, and I, think, I think that when we, when we see storms, that they're actually necessary because there are things that we don't know is for, are first in our lives until something happens. We don't know our responses until we go through a trial. We don't know our responses until maybe we lose a job or until we have a relational breakdown or whatever. Until these things happen, we don't know what's first. But in, in our first, that's a den, generally dictates what comes next. In our first. So how do we guard our Galilee? How do we guard our life, the epicenter of miracles? How do we guard our, our hope like um, Pastor Kevin was talking about? How do we guard that? And really what we do in these circumstances, in our trials, is fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. In verse 41, it says, Who is this? When it goes up on screen, but who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this? I remember Acts 9 where, where Saul has an encounter with Jesus and, he says, and then he gets struck down and then and Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, it is hard to kick against the goads. And then Paul responds with, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And, and when I find that, when I'm going through trials, when I go through circumstances, when I'm taking on new things, I want to ask myself, who are you, Lord? Is it you that's calling me out? Is it you that this is from? Is this you that this is for? And when I can answer that in my own heart, I find myself stronger than in the waves. I find myself aligning myself with who Jesus is. Because let me tell you, what we confess, we align with. What we confess, we actually prophesy over. And can I just say this a little bit? Um, What confession is, confession is a prophetic declaration that your problems are bigger than your God. 
And I found when I complain and when I, when I th- see that things are wrong and I, I, what I'm doing is I'm giving power to the problem and I'm taking my eyes off the promise. But when I put my eyes on who got me there, who God is, then I find myself elevated above the circumstances. Then I can speak to problems. I can speak to storms. I can speak to things that are trying to defeat me and trying to take from me. I can speak to these things because who are you in comparison to the most high God? Who are you? in comparison to where I'm going? Who are you in comparison to the promises of God? And I find that when I enter into that place, when I go into that place, the storms that try and buff it, it doesn't matter because it's who I'm in. I'm in Jesus. I'm in God. I'm in his safety. And if he is my savior, is he, if he is my Redeemer than anything that tries to rise above that. I'm already above that. Because yeah. the power is in, not in my authority. The power is in God's authority. Yeah. We don't silence storms in our words or in our hopes or in our dreams. We silence it in the authority given by God. Because like, we, like the song sang, he is, he is power over creation. He commands things. Yeah. And so when we operate in that authority, that's when we see things shift in our lives. So we don't have to fear when we go through a storm. And, and, the, and the thing is, in, in verse 35, he, they were saying, come, let us go over to the other side. So what that's saying is, if you are here and God is calling you to somewhere and you go through a storm, it's the, the storm is not, defined, is not there to defeat you. It's not, def, and it's not there to, to try and buffet you or take you down. It's actually showing you that even though between here and where God is taking you, whatever storm is, God is bigger than. He is demonstrating his power. He is demonstrating the power of his name. This is not just for your defeat. This is for his demonstration. So we protect our lives by fearing God and saying, hey, if he's got me here, if he's put his, his word in my heart, then wherever I go through in response to that word isn't bigger than me, but it serves to prove how big he is. Yeah. It serves to prove how big he is. So we guard our lives by fearing God. And there's another instance in um, the Sea of Galilee where um, this is where Matthew 14, where Jesus is out on water and he calls Peter out to him. And he calls Peter, and I'm not going to read it just for the sake of, of time, but what happens is um, he's, Peter's got, Jesus has gone off praying and uh, he's on, the disciples are on the boat and, and then Jesus is on the water and he's coming towards them. They're like, it's a ghost, and they don't kind of know what to do. But then and Jesus is like, it's I. Don't be afraid. <laughs> So Peter, being Peter, is just quite impulsive. He's just like, if that's you, can I come out? Can I come out when I walk in the water? And he's just like, come. So then he begins to step out. He's like, and he begins to step. And a human being, other than Jesus, because he's kind of special, is walking on water. This is crazy, right? This is, this is crazy. This Sometimes if you look at the words, you can just glaze over things like this. But this is a human being walking on water. This is a miraculous work, to say the least. And he's walking on water, but then the wind and stuff come around him, and he's, he's kind of distracted by this. And, and so it's quite boisterous, um, it says. And he's, so he begins to sink in this, in this waves, and he's just like, Jesus, help me. And immediately, Jesus reaches out, and he says to him, why are you so doubtful? 
you know, whoa, you of little faith. And then he gets back to the boat. And I, and I've, and I, I read that and, and I'm just thinking, oh, Peter, come on. You've been with Jesus how long? Two years at this point or whatever? Come on. Like, do you not know the Savior? And I'm, I'm looking at this and, and I found that sometimes I can focus on the problem so much that I forget the point. And focusing on the problem and not the point. What is the point in him going out there? Is that the, the, the point was whatever Jesus calls you to, regardless of how it looks, is possible because it's not your power, it's Jesus' power. Jesus grants you the power to do as he does. As he is, so he, we are now in this world because of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, he has granted us this power. He's granted us his power to walk. And then he began to sink. But the point was, which I love about Jesus, is that any time you reach out to him, there's an immediately. There's an immediately that when you reach out to him, he is there and he will pull you up. But that's not the thing that I think that really struck me when I read this again. And, and, um, and I will turn there for... Um, and it is just fascinating. When I, when I read this, he, it's just something I never really noticed or never really paid attention to. And then in, Mark, in Matthew 14, and it's like, so we know he walks in water, and then they get back to the boat. So I'll pick this up in verse 32, and it says, When they got back to the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Wait. Like, so Peter, he's soaked, right? He's, he's sunk into his disappointments. He's sunk into the distractions. But then when he got back to the boat... <laughs> It didn't even matter, did it? Look here, it says, they came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So, does anyone care that Peter almost died? <laughs> like, like, come on. Like, where's the mention again? He's just like, no, when you see, when you doubt like this, this is what happens. Now he's in a boat shivering. And, and it's just like, th- that didn't happen. It just says here, then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him. So in our supernatural works and the things that we want to do in the, in the times where we, we want to protect our galley, the area of the supernatural of our lives, it's, it's, it's remedied by worship. Now, worship, let me just tell you, is not a style. It's, it's, not, it's not about limited the songs, even though it starts here. And, and I love the fact that the songs are just... They, they connect us to the presence of God. And it's true that we do need that. When we come in here, it's great to sing the songs. And, and, I, and, it, and I find that it's, it's so great to sing the songs and they make me feel good. But what are the, t- when the times when I'm, well, I'm, feeling, when I'm feeling sunk, when I'm, when I'm feeling just down, when I'm feeling, I don't, my, my body may fail me or more my emotions, like I, I've just been out of, a, out of an argument with my, with my uh, boss or whatever, and I'm just, I'm just feeling sunk. And, and, and I find that worship elevates me. And I find that when I worship, when I pull out of myself and I worship, I find however dry I am or however wet I am, that doesn't matter compared to worshipping God. Because everything that I go through, whether I've, I've gone through a bad work engagement, I mean, I remember when um, a few years ago when I, I lost my job and I, it was like the shortest work day ever, I went, home, went into work for 8 o'clock and um, went home by half 9. And uh, it was just like, it was a contract that ended. And I, I got home and I, I, I didn't want to do so I just put on some worship and I, and I, and I sang and through tears and, and I found my, my soul begin to elevate yeah. but I, I didn't feel like it 
You know, I didn't feel like praising because what happened to me wasn't happy, wasn't good. I wouldn't pray about that for anybody. But I went through it and I worshipped. And what I found, it didn't matter how wet I was because literally wet my face for tears. But I found when I worshipped, I found something coming alive in me. The identity of God just seemed to, seemed to dim everything I was going through. It, it, it made everything around me not seem to matter, not seem to have a hold. Uh, last week I spoke about... Um, The song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So in the boat, when they worshipped, they unified under that, that that in the light light of Peter's wetness, in the light of their dryness, they saw Jesus walking in water, coming into this boat, and they said, truly you are the Son of God. It didn't matter what happened to Peter, it didn't matter. He was just in the boat worshipping with them. And here's why, because when you look at Jesus, you can't help but worship him. When you see Jesus for who he is, you can't help but praise him. When you see Jesus for who he is, it changes everything about you and let me tell you the worship worship is how we it's how we surrender under the power of god it's how we surrender under the power of god now you may not have, may not have heard this before but you know i, I when i first came to church um, <clears throat> I, I used to see people who would put their hands up you know and they would do different things and and uh, and i was thinking like why would people do that and but then when I started to, you know, start to develop in, in my faith and as, as I began to experience the presence of God more, I found myself doing things. And, and there's a few reasons why people raise their hands or why people clap. And, and the main ones are really surrender, you are um, celebrating and you're appealing. Three reasons why any human being would raise their hands. You're celebrating, you're appealing or you're surrendering. Um, surrender, for example, we've heard that about worship. We're surrendering unto the power of God. It's like if you were to meet somebody in a dark alley uh, with a weapon and they're coming, you're like, whoa, 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 take it, take it, don't hurt me. You're like, you, you'll, you'll surrender. Or if you c- cut somebody in traffic where you shouldn't have and it's just like, okay, sorry, my bad. And uh, what are you doing? You're surrendering to their mercy. You're surrendering to their judgment. So sometimes you'll be met with them. Yeah, that's all right, mate. Or you'll be met with that. <laughs> one of the two but either way you're surrendering um, so that's surrendering and you're celebrating you're celebrating what Jesus has done for you when he saved you he's your redeemer the things the addictions he's broken off your life he's celebrating the the, the buildings that we're buying the the, the the ministries that we're taking on we're celebrating these things because isn't it awesome that we get to to reach people that have been rescued from human trafficking isn't it awesome that we get to meet together as men and women and, and celebrate one another eating and enjoying friendship and relationship isn't it awesome that we are in a house where sometimes I've, I've, I can attest to this where you don't know if even you're going to make the bills the next week and then you just get a random envelope in the, in the offering because god knows your need isn't it awesome that isn't it awesome these things happen because this is the place of miracles and we celebrate these things and and when when we and this is certainly perfect um for me where where we appeal like where where we want to see god do things in our land we want to see god do things in this church we want to see god do things in our relationship and he reveals himself as mighty we're like yes you are mighty yes you are strong yes you are amazing yes this is who you are that we are we are made in your image we're appealing to that so when we worship in this house we are reaffirming the identity of god we're reaffirming who we are in jesus christ and when we do that 
We are elevated above our circumstance. We are elevated above the, the winds and the waves of whatever life we have to go through. We are elevated above these things because when we worship God, we reflect him. We surrender under his power. And when we're under his power, we walk in his, in his authority. So awesome is worshiping God. So awesome, awesome is worshiping God. Worshiping, we do, we give our body, we surrender ourselves like Romans 12, 1. We surrender ourselves to his authority as living sacrifices. So everything we do, you know, when you work, when you go to work, you worship God. When you go to you know, go to date night, you're worshiping God. When you are mindful of God in everything, that's how you bring glory to God in everything. Mm. When we come together, when we do offerings, when we, when we do these things, we're bringing glory and honor to God. Because yeah. this, is, this is the house of prayer. This is the house where we see miracles. When we surrender under the power of God, we live in his power. We live in that freedom. We worship God and we protect our galley, the epicenter of the miracles of our lives when we worship. It's as simple as surrendering to that power and then seeing the power of God flow through you. And the last is this and I'll close with this and uh, the keys can join me on stage. John 21 where Jesus, he is another miraculous catch of fish. And... At this point, he, Jesus has he's appeared to the disciples two times already. He's appeared to them. And then this third time, something happens which is quite spectacular. He comes to them. He comes to them after Peter decides to take a bunch of them out onto the sea. So like, I'm going fishing. So they go fishing and, and he's out and it's about 200 cubits, 100 yards, whatever. And... So it's like stone throwing distance, right? For some people. And, uh, and so he's like, children, do you have any food? And the guys, they're, they're, um, they're so into their work. They're Peter's stripped for work. It's another thing. And he's well into this now. They haven't caught a fish, not, not a single thing. And he's saying, children, do you have any food? Do you have any fish? And they're just saying, no. He's like, but isn't that amazing? Just thinking about it, right? How Jesus appeared to them twice before, done many signs before, so many, as it says in John 20, that, that wouldn't we couldn't record it. So many that were done. And then in John 21, he calls to them and they don't hear. If I were to see the things, or at least this is what I would think, and I guess a lot of you would agree, if I were to see the things that they saw in John 20, I would recognize that person if he called out to me. I would recognize his voice, but sometimes I guess I found in my life, in the distractions and the business, and in, in my just sort of checking out and doing something that I'm used to doing, that I found that in the, the everyday of life, I can miss the voice of Jesus when he's calling out to me when he's calling out to me I can miss him but I love this he doesn't stop there and he says cast a net on the right side and you'll find some cast a net on the right side so they do this and then they bring up so many fish and then John the one you know he claims he's the favorite of Jesus and he says 
oh, it's, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And Peter's just like, ah, he's, you know, he's impulsive. He puts his jacket on and goes in the water. And, and they go and then they, they decide to have breakfast with Jesus. And, and then Jesus says to them, bring what you've caught here. Bring what you've caught. So then they bring some of their stuff. But the thing was that Jesus already had fish and bread on the fire ready for them. He already had things ready for them. So what's that say about, for me, for me that says that no matter what I feel that I'm dragging towards Jesus, he already has something ready for me. He already has things ready for me. He already has prepared things in time, in season, not raw and ready. He gives it to us perfect when we need, what we need, in the way that we need. And he says, bring it here. Because, not because he needs what we bring, but he wants what we bring. He wants relationship. He wants a life with us. He wants to share fellowship with us he wants to share a breakfast with us come and eat and they have breakfast what really gets me this is that he in our in our Galilee we respond to that relationship not because he's providing but because he is the source not only will he provide for us the things that we need in that time, but verse, 50, verse 14, if you put it up on the screen, this is what's amazing. He says, now this is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The first time was without Thomas, the second time with Thomas. The third, this is the third time. The third time, what's that saying? That regardless of our busyness, regardless of our doubt, regardless of our disappointment, Jesus will always keep providing himself. He will always keep bringing himself. He'll always bring himself. And as he brings himself, that is, you'll find that is all you ever need. Because he is the source. He is Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. And when we, and he brings himself, we'll find that when it goes on from there, we'll be released into calling. We'll be released into doing new things. We'll be released in his power, in his authority, in his goodness, reflecting him and displaying him wherever we go. Guard your Galilee. When you see God for who he is, you'll be surprised by what things you're bigger than. When you worship him, you'll be surprised that no matter what goes on around you, you'll be able to rise up above when you respond to relationship with him, those areas where you feel that you're lacking or that you don't have, you'll find that he's already got something for you. He's already got something prepared for you. This thing, this precious thing, keep by the Holy Spirit. Keep. It's not that you don't have, it's just that the things I mentioned can distract and we can lose, it withers, it's, it's almost like it's old news. But keep by the Holy Spirit who lives in you. We all have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Because he has empowered us to be his vice regents here in this earth. To do new things, to do more things, to do mighty things, to turn this place into a place where people can come in by the droves and receive healing, receive help, receive restoration, receive receive the, the hope of the gospel by the power that works in you to see these things come to pass. Thanks for listening. 
If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.